0: So I just want to invite George and Tricia Ling, if they would come up and share with us. Yeah, let's give them a good round of applause here. All right. I think it's on. Yep, there you go. Thank you.
1: Um, Good morning. In case you don't know, I'm the Tricia. George is coming. Um, But some of you may know this, some of you may not that are new, but um, George and I, um, way before COVID, um, we pastored a Hispanic service that met in the building. Um, I won't go into all the details of that because I don't want to take up the time, but um, but you're probably looking at us going, well, looking at me because George isn't here yet. Um, they don't look Spanish. Well, we're not. Well, he's half. I'm not at all. I'm the, I'm the American, Irish, whiter than white girl. But um, God called us to that place um, to minister to this Hispanic group, and God knew that we had a heart for... Um, the Hispanic culture. We've ministered in Nicaragua. and um, But anyway, um, just want to relate to um, what Beth has been talking about. So our first Sunday um, there, I can't remember if it was the first Sunday that Jose, who was the pastor, said, you know, this is what's happening. I'm leaving and they're coming. And we got wind that the worship leader was already trying to start a mutiny. <laughs> he was like, We don't need them. Let's just start our own church. and and, um, So we soon realized that we were going to have our work cut out for us to earn their trust because, you know, we didn't look like them. We didn't um, come from another country because we learned that most of our congregation came from Mexico. And most of them were undocumented as we found out as we got into it. So George will share a little bit more about that. But we knew that we had to earn their trust. And we did what we do with anyone. We invited them into our home. We went into their homes. Um, We went to their quinceaneras. We danced to their music, which is not hard for me because I love to dance into any kind of music. Um, We ate their food, which definitely was not hard. Um, But we, in essence, we embraced who they were, where they were. And we embraced their culture. We didn't come in saying, well, now that we are here. We want you singing these songs. We want you doing part in English, part in Spanish. No, we reassured them that this was their church and we were just coming along to um, support them. And um, just a quick little thing, this, this man who was the worship leader who at the time who, um, you know, wanted to mutiny. Now, even after, you know, we, we had to uh, close our service right before COVID, um, he still calls us pastor and pastora, even though, um, you know, I slaughter the Spanish language. I mean, and I'm honest. I tell them, like I told them the story that I, I was trying to ask them, someone if they were hungry, and I asked them if they had a man. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, hombre and hombre, you know, I get them mixed up. Uh-huh. Big deal. But anyway, they, um, they, they, see us as family. We see them as family. And they're, one of their daughters um, still co- or is coming to our youth group and brings a friend. So these relationships that we took the time to pour into have lasted way beyond the church itself even lasted. So, But we took that time to embrace their culture. And, um, and I'm so glad that we did and so thankful. And then George is going to share some other stuff.
2: So one, one of the things, you know, as we've been Learning from best teachings that we, we've been talking about, you know, race and diversity, and, and those are kind of, you know, they're hot-button topics. But one of the things that you realize as you learn and read the scriptures is that everyone's story is different. We have, even, even white to white, you know, my story is not the same as Trisha's. And if I, don't take t- if I hadn't taken time to hear about who she was and learn about her life experience, I wouldn't have been able to kind of come alongside of her. And it was the same thing with this church. I came in, oh, I speak Spanish, so I was pretty naive. I can speak the language, so I can serve, I can minister. But their life experience was so different, and I quickly learned that if I didn't take some time, to learn about who they were as families and as people and and coming from several different countries and and just hearing their story and their life experience that was nowhere near what a white looking, you know, half Latino guy has experienced in his life. Um, We had to really do the hard work. I had to learn about immigration and talk about a subject that is really Uh, you know confusing Uh, the whole system is really a mess but you have to sit there and dive in and you have to learn these things in order to find out where they are and what are the issues that are important to them and can be dangerous for them so we had to take crash courses in in you know these different elements of their life so that we could serve well and it wasn't about us you know trying to be someone we weren't it was just about us listening hearing their stories finding out you know that these people left everything behind everything how can i relate to that you know one of our friends uh the couple that were were helping me pastor they left a 40 acre farm with horses and and all this because drug gangs came into the area and were taking over all the farms and were killing the owners and so they packed up their their two children, three children, and headed up north. And I can't relate to that. I can't relate to leaving a 40-acre farm, leaving horses behind, because you feared death. So we had to hear these stories in order to relate and then be able to find out, how can I hear Jesus better for them as we serve? So one of the, the real takeaways that we have in in this topic is that we all have a different story of life mm-hmm. and that listening is a barrier and a bridge. I mean, it is it is a, a bridge that overcomes barriers. Excuse me. But, uh, you know, the way we listen, the way we hear and then the way we allow our heart to be moved uh, by the stories really helps us to come alongside one another and just serve Jesus even better. Mm. So th- thank you so much for Amen. letting us share that.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. That was that was great. Let's just take a moment. Lord Jesus, give us listening ears. Give us open hearts. Help us to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice In jesus name amen amen well thank you that was that was amazing um, you 've made it we 're on week four of our four week series on God's a God for all people seeking God's heart for justice and diversity and I know um, you know some of you might have felt oh I wish we'd talked more about policies and politics and all of that stuff and other of you might have said like you maybe did at the beginning I wish we hadn't talked about any of this at all um, but you know we're here and I hope that throughout it all we've just been challenged a little bit had our hearts soften just a little bit, had, had some new ideas perhaps um, and some impetus for us to go out and be a listening people. I, I love what, what they just said, you know, and, and I kind of thought while they were speaking, you know, let's make it a point this next week or two to, to talk to someone and hear their story. Someone's story that we don't know. Someone a little different than us. Let's make a point of that being part of the way we, we do life. Uh, and we've been learning in this series about God being a God of justice. That he cares about justice. That it, 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 it pains his heart, the injustices that go on in this world for so many. And so he wants us to have that heart as well. He wants us to be people who stand up for the voiceless. Who, who give voice to them. Who send our, our own resources and our own abilities behind who are suffering. And so we want to be that kind of people. We want to have God's heart of justice. But we've also talked about diversity and God's big beautiful world and the big, the creativity of God to make all of us in this place and we're all, you know, still Greensboro people, right? Where there's people all over the world so so different from us that God has made. And so we want to be people who listen and so hear from one another and 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 learn from one another's stories. We want this place to be a place that welcomes Every person who would walk in the door, they would feel comfortable like they've come home. That's what we, we, we pray, we hope. And we also learned about lament last week. And I want to tell you that the lament stations are still up around the room. You're welcome to go around afterwards. Areas of the world that are suffering under injustice, people that are suffering under oppression and difficulties and challenges, and we want to lament with them. We want to weep with them. We want to then pray a blessing over them. And so I encourage you to go around and be a part of that. And so now today, we're going to wrap it all up and talk about where do we go as Gate City Vineyard? What does it look like for a church who cares about diversity, who cares about justice? What does that look like for us? And I want to start by talking about John Wimber. John Wimber, of course, was one of the early founders of the Vineyard Movement, one of its main spokespersons as it began. Um, And he talked about a moment in his life that was life-changing. He had already been experiencing the power of God and and the Holy Spirit and healing and, and signs and wonders and all of that, but God really spoke to him about poverty and about how we need to be a people who help the poor. And he said serving the poor suddenly became not just an option, but a life or death matter. And it's become a foundation of the Vineyard Church even to this day. And I love how he puts it here in his book, The Way In is the Way On. He says this, I love to teach on social justice. It really is one of my passions. Justice always goes hand in hand with true revival and renewal of the Spirit. Justice, setting things right for the poor and marginalized, is one of the primary purposes for God sending His Son into the world. He came in order to set things right. Great leaders in the history of the church have always understood the relationship between faith and justice. There has never been a movement of God started on fire that did not have a ministry to the poor. The manifest presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our midst is connected inseparably to his mercy and compassion. And then he quotes from Psalm 146 He upholds the cause of the oppressed, gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free, the Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up all who are bowed down, and the Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow. And so Wimber goes on to say in the same book, the same Lord who gives sight to the blind and creates miracles through our hands is the very one who feeds the hungry through our hands and watches over the immigrant. We must never ignore the poor and needy. We must never spend the outpouring of the Spirit on ourselves. Such powerful words. I kind of love that he uses the word social justice, because that's become a little bit of a hot word, hot phrase these days. Sometimes it gets a bad name. It sounds for some like a liberal kind of theology or something that doesn't involve Jesus. But biblical justice, the justice that God wants, that God seeks, that is his nature, will always have a social component to it. It will be outward facing. It will affect the social world around us because, it's if, because it concerns the well-being of the people around us. So that is what it is. And as Wimber puts it, social justice is setting things right for the poor and marginalized. That's what it is. So social justice, biblical social action to correct injustice is a vineyard distinctive. It's, it's, it's who our, our movement is. It's who we are as Gate City Vineyard. And I want to always assure us that we will never, ever... Forget about Jesus. Jesus is the center of it. Jesus is how it starts, actually. If it weren't for Jesus coming into our hearts and saving us, giving us new life, new peace, new shalom in our own hearts, we could never pour out shalom to anyone else. We would have nothing to give. And so Jesus is the way to God. He is the only one. He is the one who saves us. He is worthy of of honor and praise and glory. And Jesus cares about justice. Jesus cares that we care about justice and put hands and feet the outworking of our faith, to helping those around us. And so I'm going to give you just a little bit of history here, which is kind of interesting, about how social justice was actually very important to the early church. Um, there's a fascinating observation in a book by Dr. Larry Hurtado, who has done a lot of study of the early church and their practices and priorities and so on. And he points out that the early church Christians were mostly seen as pretty offensive, they were very much uh, not of the culture of that day. They had crazy beliefs about a God who would die as a criminal and raise from the dead. That was really bizarre. Uh, and they, you know, they were often excluded from business and society. Sometimes their homes were taken away from them. They were persecuted, sometimes even unto death. And so you have to ask the question, why did people actually become Christians? Like, why, why would they bother? This was a pretty small sect at that point. Why would they bother? I mean, if I told you this morning that in order to become a a member of Gate City Vineyard Church, you need to sign here, and then after that, everyone is going to hate you. And also, they're going to trash you on social media, and they'll probably take away your house, and, you know, maybe you'll even die. If I told you that was how you became a member of Gate City Vineyard Church, I think you'd say, you know, there's a really nice church down the block, (laughs) and they've got good snacks and, you know, nice parking, and maybe I'll just go there. I mean, what would compel people to join this movement in that sort of culture and environment that was so hostile to them? And one main reason that it took off is that he calls, Hurtado explains this, that the church was a a, a unique social project. It was a contrast community, a countercultural, that was both offensive but also attractive, and the key contrast was in this area of social justice and compassion. Outside of themselves, how they cared for people. What were some of the things the early church cared about? One of the first things they cared about was racial justice and unity. We discussed some of this before, right? In Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile, no Jew or Greek. I mean, for them to be worshiping together, Jews and Greeks, was astonishing. Not only that, they had women and men worshiping together, and slaves and masters were living together, uh, worshiping together. So countercultural. We even talked a couple weeks ago about, remember the Antioch Church? Remember that the leadership of the Antioch Church, the second really big church of the Christian movement, the leadership was from all kinds of different countries, completely diverse right from the start. This was counter-cultural, completely different from uh, that day and surprising. The second thing that the early church really cared about was care for the poor and suffering. See, it was very common in Roman times to care for your own family, to care for your own tribe. But to care outside of that, the way Christians cared for people, regardless of their their family name, their status, their race, anything, the way they did that, one writer said it was practically promiscuous. It was like it was indecent that they would care for people outside of themselves, so different themselves. The, the, The story of the Good Samaritan is a great example of this. You know, we read it from our eyes, and we think, yeah, he should have done that. That was really odd in those days for a Samaritan to help a Jewish person like that. So this care for the poor and suffering very countercultural. They also were sexually countercultural in their views about it, differently than, than maybe Christians are today. It was very common for women, of course, to be expected to be faithful to their husbands in the Roman times or in early Roman times, but it was also very common for that not to be expected of the man. So anyone who was lower in power than him, he could, if he wanted, have sex with, whether it was a slave or another woman or even a boy. So so that was very common in those days. So this this Christian ethic that we have in our New Testament of a man and woman coming together and loving one another and be exclusively one to another as an example of Christ in the church, that was radical. That was radical. What else did they care about? They cared about the sanctity of life. Abortion wasn't so common back then. That would have been more difficult to do medically. But they mostly, if they didn't want a child, they would birth the child and they didn't want it either they had, couldn't afford it or it wasn't the right gender they would just abandon it the child just would be abandoned on the streets and you know what christians did anybody know they picked them up and they took them into their homes and they cared for them as their own again almost indecent promiscuous <laughs> promiscuous compassion it's because christians believe that those tiny humans were made in the image of god that's why they did that they love those babies and then finally, forgiveness and reconciliation was a key key um, act of the, of the early Christians. They stood out because even though they were harassed, persecuted, sometimes imprisoned, sometimes killed, they did not fight back. In fact, they forgave their, their captors, they didn't argue, they didn't slam them on social media, they didn't you know, protest. They simply forgave and loved. They taught and practiced reconciliation. It's easy to talk about reconciliations, quite another thing to practice it, right? Would that we were this kind of people. Would that we were this kind of people, that we cared about those things. What I find fascinating about this is that these five things really cut across um, political and social lines, don't they? I mean the first two generally you would think of as more of a liberal agenda, right? The racial reconciliation, the poor and the suffering. And the second two you would think of as more of a conservative agenda, sexual purity, sanctity of life. And the fifth one, nobody's good at. (laughs) Nobody even talks about it, really. This is what shalom looks like. No political party can bring this about. No candidate, no governmental system can accomplish that. It's the people of God acting like the people of God that accomplishes that. The kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven, that's how that happens. So that was the early church, but not only the early church, really throughout all of the history of God's people, social justice has been a key theme. It starts way back with the giving of the law for God's people, Israel. And if you read the law and you look through it and you know what the culture of the time was, you realize there are so many things in there that were countercultural also caring for the poor among them, the foreigner. Very different from the prevailing com- uh, culture. Love love your neighbor as yourself. Love, Love the foreigner that comes into your midst. Caring for orphans. Caring for widows. Caring even for animals. Caring even for women <laughs> in that patriarchal society. All of these things were put into the law back in the time of Israel. And then as you go into the early church, I've talked a little bit about what the early church did. And through the next two millennia, God has always moved through his people with a desire for social action for bringing justice into their world. In fact, one of the interesting things about church history is if you look at the history of revivals, revivals were almost always accompanied by by incredible acts of social justice and social action. It's interesting. Um, You know, the wave of the Holy Spirit would come through a community and and people would get saved, they'd come to Jesus, and then they'd start changing the world around them. That was the outcome. They changed the world around them as people were saved and encountered Jesus, an incredible compassion, love, and action spilled out of them into their communities. And as a result, Christians throughout the ages have rescued abandoned babies, have taken care of widows. They established hospitals so poor people could get medical care. During the plague... While everybody was running out of the cities because the plague was centered in the cities because it's the congested area, everybody was moving quickly out of the cities to get away from the plague. Do you know what the Christians did? They went into the cities to care for the poor. That has a particular poignancy right now, doesn't it? <laughs> that we're in a pandemic and we're so worried. Can you imagine? Knowing the plague was in there and the Christians went toward it in order to care for the poor. Revivals through the centuries not only resulted in more converts, but resulted in so many different reforms. Prison reform, child labor laws, um, you know, fed into the abolitionist movement, certainly in the 19th century. Even as we go into the 20th century, movements like the Civil Rights Movement started as a, as a Christian movement by religious leaders like Dr. Martin Luther King. It was, it was religious leaders who said, this is wrong by God's standard, and we're going to do something about it. So it's always come... It's always come as a result of, of the movement of God and his people. When God moves in his people, he moves them outward to, to change the world around them. Now, it's true that not all Christians have seen their salvation as an impetus to social reform. We also, in our history as, as the Christian church, have examples of churches using the Bible to justify injustices to justify keeping in place structures that were comfortable to them, that they liked, but that were still unjust. Slavery is the obvious example of that, but not the only one. Um, discrimination against immigration, against immigrants, oppression of women, even staying silent during the Holocaust. Churches have taken the easy route sometime and not stood up against injustice. We're so capable of, of that. Self-deception and self-serving even within the church. And Lord, we lament that. We lament that. We just confess that that is wrong. And we, we do not ever want to be a people who chooses what is comfortable and familiar over what is just and right. Amen? I'm going to say that again. May we never choose what is comfortable and familiar over what is just and right. Amen. Let that be an amen that sits in your soul. Let that be, sit in your soul. God has so much more for us. He, God fills you with his Holy Spirit, and he does that not just to change you. Yes, it changes you. It transforms you. It gives you new life, new hope, a shalom in your own heart, but he doesn't give it to you just for you, but to pour out of you to others, to affect the atmosphere around you. This is the kingdom of God on heaven, in he- from heaven coming down to earth, and he intends to do it through you and me. Let the Holy Spirit flow out of you as you make a difference in this world. God wants to do that. Jesus said it, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help him. It is a sign of our love for God when we help others, when we help his people. May your kingdom come, Lord, as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come, Lord. So we're seeing here that social reform, caring about the needs of the hurting, the oppressed, naturally follows from our Christian faith. This is kingdom work. This is what we're called to do. So what I'm hoping, I'm achieving in this series to some extent is just a little bit of a mindset shift. I know it has been for me, even just, just preparing it and speaking it out, that we don't always think about these issues, but uh, and they've become so polarizing in our day, right? Racism, abortion, immigration, sexuality, and, you know, Christians fight about it. We argue about it. People leave churches over it. It's become a very polarizing kind of thing, and I want to just say that there is a place for discussion about politics and policies, right? There are certain laws that can be put in place which can change things, and we may differ on which laws are going to do a better job of bringing justice. Okay? That's, that's okay. We can, we can discuss that. We can, we can speak about it. But, you know, we have to remember that many unjust situations in the past were helped through better laws. So that's why we no longer have children working in factories, because they pass laws against that, child labor laws, working conditions in factories have been improved through our laws, um, segregation. Was 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 finished because of laws put in place. Doesn't didn't fully end up being finished in reality. But we are we have the laws are in place for that, and so it's a good thing. We we are all in agreement. I think that it's a good thing when good laws are put in place to right injustices, and so I just encourage us to care about those things as Christians. There's nothing wrong with being active in the political sphere, having your thoughts about it. I encourage you to talk to more than just the people that agree with you on the issue to decide what you think the laws should be. Don't just go a party line. As we saw, God's way is not in line with any particular political party. So let's not find our, our, make our decisions based on a party, but made based on God's word and what he says about it. We want to wrestle with that. We want to lament the suffering that takes place regardless. And as we are people who want to bring shalom, that's the goal, we wanna bring shalom into our world, seeking to bring God's shalom. There's a couple things I want us to remember as we get into it. Um, one is to remain, that we remain grateful for our country and for our church, even as we seek reform. I think sometimes we get the wrong idea that when we um, you know, critique some things that our country has done or even that the church has done, what I've already critiqued some of the things the church has done, that somehow we don't love America or that we don't love our church, we do. But even good people can be part of systems that need reform, right? I mean, I am an evangelical pastor, and I'm proud of that. I love to be a part of the evangelical movement. I will tell you right now that the evangelical movement needs some reform. There are things not so great about the evangelical church across America, at least. This, I don't know as much about it overseas, but there are some things that aren't so great. We have gotten caught up in celebrity culture and big, big megachurches and all of that. We've gotten caught up in that. We've gotten caught up in performance and entertaining the people as opposed to making disciples. Churches have gotten caught up in not treating their staffs well and not, not, um, not paying them, you know, fairly. We have fought among ourselves about theological points that we probably shouldn't have and we should be working together. We've treated women of second class and church is still too segregated for my taste. Even though, I'm, even so, I'm proud to be a, a church pastor. But I hope that I could be part of bringing reform, so good people can be part. So, so it's true of all the other areas we're talking about, whether it's police reform or education or government. You know, good people can be part of systems that still need some reforming. So let's do the reforming. Let's be people that will do that reforming in our own sphere you know, it's a good thing to press for change, to march, to write to your congressman, to, to make a difference where you are. And I want to say this to us who are a little bit older, let your children and your grandchildren see you caring about this stuff. Because I got to tell you something, they care about it. Gen, uh, Gen uh, what do what we, on? millennials and then Gen Zs, I mean, they care about these issues and they want to see that as the church, as the people of God, that we care about all these issues that are all around our room here. They want to see that. And wherever we can, we should make a difference. When a couple years back, the Me Too movement came through, which was really highlighted in women and and harassment in the workplace and in other places, um, we took a hard look at our church. How can we make sure that we are not contributing to this injustice and this problem? And so we went through our systems, and we actually started instituting sexual harassment training for everyone on staff. We only had a little tiny staff, but we made sure everyone had sexual harassment training. We made sure there was a good accountability structure and reporting structure so that people would feel comfortable and safe to report things as they came up. And we did that there. I'm about to do that here. We're, we're working on that here as well. I mean, this is my little, the, the little area I've got so a little bit of influence over. That's I want to make sure that we are doing what is right in that area. So every one of us has a little area of influence. Let's be people of justice. Let's be people of justice. In those. So that's the, the first thing I want us just to realize is that we are grateful. I'm grateful for our country, for our churches, for being a part of the church movement. But I want to make it better. I want to see God work and bring justice into it. The second thing I want to remind us is that the world does not play by the church's rules. So as much as we can try to affect the world and change the world, they don't play by our rules. We live in a pluralistic country in which we are glad that people can follow whatever religion they want or no religion, right? We would rather that uh, than not um, because it gives us freedoms as well. And so we can't expect the world to reflect all of our Christian values. They are simply not going to. I think about the early church, and the early church was f- lived in a culture that was far more hostile to their faith than ours. If you if you don't believe that, just think about the fact that we're sitting here very freely with no fear, um, that anyone's going to come in and tell us to stop. We can do this anytime we want, anywhere we want, practically. Um, you know, that was not true, certainly in the early church. It's, it's not true in some places in our world uh, that you can freely meet. And so, you know, they lived in that hostile environment, but you don't see the early church complaining about it. You don't see them you know, fighting back for the most part. Um, they didn't take offense. They didn't complain about their freedoms being curtailed. What did they do? They just quietly went about doing good, taking care of those babies, marching in and helping the sick people doing good, changing, yes, the, the governments and structures where they could and where they were, but they also continued to love one another. They continued to work on unity in their churches between the different races that were there. They continued to work on loving one another and loving the people who were hurting out of the world. That's what the church did. That's what brings shalom, the church being the church. So we want to be the church. Amen? Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Let's be the church. It was a heart change for them and I hope that it is for us as well to care more about the hurting and the pain of the world and how we can help that than our policies and our politics and all of that. So where are we now? We're in Greensboro. Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm so happy to be here. It's just about six months we've been here, so it's so great. a um, little been a little too cold, all right? I'm just saying. I thought I was moving to the south and there's been like snow and cold, so I don't know what's happening with that, but um, it's it's a great place to live. Uh, as of April 2020, the population was 299,000. And what's interesting and what I love about this city is how diverse it is. I will put some demographics up here on the on the board. This is from the U.S. Census in 2021. 42.6% white. Oh, that's not right. That's a typo. It's 41.4. Somehow the four got so it's 41.4% black African American. Sorry about that. Uh, it's right on my notes, uh, 7.9% Hispanic, 5% Asian, 3.1% multiracial or other. So it's really, really very diverse. And our church, uh, churches should reflect the diversity of the community they're in. I understand if you're in a mostly white community or mostly black community, mostly Hispanic community, that your church might only reflect that, that uh, ethnicity. But, but we should reflect this diversity. We should reflect it. And uh, not only that, but what interesting facts from the census, there's many ch- needs or challenges here at, in Greensboro. From that same report, it says that 18.5% are considered to be living in poverty. I thought that was really high. It's almost a fifth. It means one out of five people you meet may be living in poverty level. A lot of needs, a lot of challenges. 117 are without health insurance. 7.6% have a disability. of households speak a language other than English, and 11% are foreign-born. One of the things uh, that came up at the Vineyard Conference in Phoenix, they said, if you want to be a church that brings shalom to your community, what you do is you look around your community and you say, where are there people or people groups being left behind or left out? thought that was interesting. Where are people not thriving? And so at Gate City Vineyard, we're hoping to be that, to do that. And so I want to highlight just for a few minutes now as I'm kind of ending so I'm going to tr- hand it over to a couple more people to talk. Um, just some of the ways at Gate City Vineyard, we are making trying to make a difference, trying to bring a little shalom into our community. First one, of course, I know you all know about is Grocery Giveaway. Um, but if you don't know about it, it's a wonderful ministry of about of giving uh, groceries away to about 30 or 40 families. Every single Wednesday we do this, which I think is so impressive for such a small church. So I'm kudos. Bravo. Um, but we give away this food. Um, people go on Mondays, so you can help on Mondays by going to get the food at the food bank and bring it here into them putting it away in the fridges and then uh, on wednesday we actually bag it up and give it out and uh and then as we give it out we also can pray for the people if they want it and um, I, I just think it's so special. I don't participate in, in it all the time, but once in a while, when they're a little short-staffed, I will give a hand, and Chris will say, "You know, can you can you do a few?" And I'll say, "Sure." And uh, and so I'll go out there, and I'm I, you know sometimes won't have the best attitude because <laughs> I'll be in the middle of something, but then I'll get out there and I start praying with these people, and I'm telling you, like the tears start to flow, and I go, "Chris, <laughs> why did you do this to me?" <laughs> you yeah, know, my whole day is shocked. I'm all you know emotional, but it's such a beautiful thing because you just meet people right where they are, and um, it's really. Really beautiful thing. We uh, to remind you of grocery giveaway. Um, we had they, they got extra fruit bars for some reason um, from the from the uh, food bank. So there are bags like this out there for you to grab on your way out to give to somebody in need. So if you see a homeless person, if you see if you just know somebody that we could really be blessed um, by that, there's bags out there. Um, you're welcome to sign up as well, um, of course, to help with the ministry. Some of the other things we do, backpack giveaway, um, some of the outreaches, backpack giveaway, VBS, uh, Church Under the Bridge, we're going to be doing soon, uh, which is a ministry of the homeless. These are more, you know, now and then kind of activities, but love would love to see us. If your heart's been moved, I'm telling you this, that if your heart's been moved, you know there's a place you can help. You can put your hand to the plow a little bit, so we'd love to have you doing that. I'm also working really hard at getting to know some other churches. And other pastors and other churches so that we kind of are able to do some things together as a church. I don't like the fact that we're all in our separate buildings. Um, We're all the church at Greensboro, and so I'm part of the Triad Pastor Partnership, which uh, has a lot of different Uh, churches, church leaders who are from very different ethnicities uh, and styles and denominations and we come together. We actually just had a retreat and got to know each other really well. So hoping to see some collaboration, some working together, maybe some worship services together, maybe some projects. So more on that I hope to come. Um, But I want to talk Uh, right now about two more efforts that are coming. In fact, I want to invite Melinda first and then Ralisa to come up to talk about two new things we're doing this year. And so one is the diversity working group and one is the Afghan family. So I'll have Melinda come on up first and just tell you a couple minutes what it's about. Here we go. You're on.
3: Oh, bright lights. Yes, it's very bright.
0: (laughs) People don't realize how bright it is.
3: Good morning, good morning. Um, so Beth actually quoted part of the Lord's Prayer earlier today. It's um, it's a beautiful, simple prayer, but I think one that holds great truth for us and great value. And as Jesus talks about a part of the prayer being, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I think about revelation, I think about what John told us about what heaven looks like, right? And that part of what heaven looks like is people from all tribes and all nations coming together to worship God. And I think as we pray the Lord's Prayer, right, and as we say your kingdom come, and as vineyard people, right, being kingdom people, part of that I think is not just a prayer, right, but it's a commitment on our part, right, to to work towards what that looks like. And that for me is is the heart of this diversity working group, right? It's about putting feet to that prayer, right? To saying if we are kingdom people, the people that we worship together, right? Should be from every tribe and every nation. And at the same time, right? In talking to people here and having conversations in the few years that I've been a part of this church and this family, it's, it's an expressed desire for a lot of people sitting in this room. And desire though, doesn't necessarily change things, right? intent is what changes things. And so, this group is really about that intent. Um, uh, The goal, ultimately, right, is to look at who we are now and who we want to be and to create a path forward. Um, Very specific, concrete things that we can do as a body to to be more diverse, to reflect the kingdom better here in this space. we're going to meet once monthly for about a year, so it's not a huge commitment in that regard. Um, I will say that probably between meetings, there will be maybe articles we have we read, or videos, or focus groups. Like I would love for us to be able to talk to people, so from the committee, be able to talk to people from in the church, um, and just have a lot of conversations, because for us to move right, it's not gonna be what I want, right, it's not gonna be what one other person wants, right, it really is gonna be a group effort, right, so the more that we can have these conversations, right, the more that we can share and dream together, the more likely we are as a church to reach this goal. And so it's really gonna be about learning from each other, right, to create those concrete steps. Um, There haven't necessarily been days and times set I'm thinking probably like a Saturday morning, maybe Sunday after evening, or a Tuesday PM meetings. I'm just not sure yet. And so, if you're interested and you want to sign up, um, it would be really helpful to me. There's not a space on the sign-up sheet, but maybe just put like what your preference is. Like, are there specific times or days that work better for you of those kind of three? And then also my goal is for us to meet in person um i know that that can still be uncomfortable for some people but i'm hoping that we're kind of getting to a place with COVID and things like that where that's okay but my goal is to meet in person because these conversations work better when you can look a person in the eye right and when you can do it with the love and respect that just doesn't it's there when you're on zoom but it doesn't feel the same Right? And these are conversations that are important, but that are hard, and I think doing it in a space where you can feel that love and respect is extremely important. Um, if you're interested, if you want more information, talk to me, talk to Beth. There's the sign-up sheet, but um, this is obviously a passion of mine, but one that I think is about who we are as God's people and who we are as a Vineyard Church. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Melinda. And here's for
4: Good morning. Yes, it is bright. So, so this morning I'm going to talk about an opportunity that we have as a church to support Afghan refugee families. And this morning, as I was preparing to come to church, I was listening. One of the things I love to do is just listen to God's word being read from the Bible. And um, I was struck that in Exodus chapter 22, God tells us how to treat refugees. I was struck by the fact that it is in line with all of the laws that are given, the rules. And I thought, wow, way back in Exodus, we were being told to care for refugees. And the the way that it's written, God reminds the Israelites, it's because you were refugees in Egypt. So maybe we weren't all refugees, but here in Greensboro, I also learned that Greensboro has a very rich history of, of bringing in and accepting and supporting people from other countries. Right now, we have Afghan families coming in with the support of our government. And when I say with the support of our government, I mean they are fleeing really bad situations, persecution, certain death, as a result of the role that they played in helping our country. And so now our country is resettling these families. We can, um, we have an opportunity to partner with the North Carolina, excuse me, African Services Coalition to sponsor a family. Right now, um, there are several families already here who need sponsors, but there are also families still coming. Sponsorship entails us loving on them. Just doing things that we would do, say if, if you had a family member moving to the area, right? helping them find an apartment, helping them outfit that apartment. They are coming with absolutely nothing, no furniture, no food. So we would help them to locate an apartment. We would furnish the apartment for them. And um, the, the friends group in, in Greensboro has a huge basement full of furniture, just waiting for us to come pick it up and put in an apartment, right? Um, we would help them to find the grocery store, um, the newcomer school. Are you all familiar with the newcomer school? That's where the school-age children will enroll. We'll help them to enroll there, right? We need people who are good with numbers um, to help them open bank accounts, manage their budgets. We need people who can do just about anything. You can give as much or as little time as you want, and we also need money, right? Because we wanna be able to make sure that they will, um, they'll be able to, to make it. So um, this, they are sponsored um, by the North Carolina African Services Coalition. They basically underwrite a lot of it, but we would come alongside them both um, physically and fiscally, financially um, to help for me this is very special because as you all know I love to go to China it is what I'm called to and I can't go so I feel like God has brought the Afghan to us right God has brought we don't always have to go we can serve right where we are so there's a sign-up sheet what I would ask is if you are interested at all, right now you might be like, really, you said a lot of words, I really don't, really don't understand what you said. Cool. <laughs> that happens a lot with me and that's okay. Just sign up. I will contact you, I will answer every question you have, right? You will not go into this blind. We will have um, cultural competency training. We will know what is right to do, what we should not do. This is not a thing we're gonna do tomorrow, but we do need to know if we have enough people with the heart for the Afghan family and the time to serve them to know if we can move forward. So please sign up no matter where you land on the interest meter, okay? And, And I promise to be in touch with you.
0: Thank you. How exciting, huh? I think it's awesome i am so excited about these two new efforts and what we do here as this little church sitting here in greensboro Um, what a heart you all have to do to do and to serve and to love people Um, it's really you it's not something it's the holy spirit in you that has has caused this heart to to flourish and so i just pray it would continue and continue and continue lord would we be a place an oasis for those who come who need who need love who need help who need um, just to be part of a family. Would we be an oasis for that? And I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill each one of you and that it would it would transform your own life but then pour out of you in love and compassion and service to those around you. It would pour out the doors of this place like down Pomona Drive and down Market Street and into downtown and up to Summerfield and everywhere. I just pray that we would be his hands and feet. The light on the hill. Kate City Vineyard. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, I just thank you for um all that you are doing lord and, and doing in us we've prayed, thank you for the blessing lord that you've promised us your word says blessed are those who act justly who do what is right and so lord we we pray today that we would be a people who who acts justly who loves and lord i pray that as we conclude this service by going into a time of communion lord i pray you prepare our hearts Prepare our hearts to receive from you, Lord, because it's only because you have changed us, because of your salvation, what you've given to us, it's the only reason we have anything to give at all. Lord, we would have no shalom, we would have no peace if it weren't for the Prince of Peace. And so only because of you, Lord, we have something that we can bring. And so I just pray this morning that you would speak to each one of us. And that you would call us closer and closer to yourself. In Jesus' name. The gospel of the kingdom is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. It's the foundation. It's We can't talk about the outworking until we have Jesus. The first reconciliation we need to do is reconciliation with God. And so this morning we're going to go into time of communion. I'm going to invite the communion service to come on up, and um, you know there's going to be we're going to have a time for you to come up and receive. It's in one of our little cups that has the both the bread and the and the juice with it. I, as we have done in the past, I invite you to take the the bread part, the top part, the c- little cracker, first alone, as your own in, in your own time as a symbol of your own personal walk with Christ. This is your reconciliation with God, that he has forgiven you of your sins, that you're clean before him, that you're his child. And this morning, if that's something that you don't know, that you're not sure about, this is a great morning to say, Lord, I, I want to receive you. I want my sins forgiven so that I can walk with you. And so that will be a moment for you to take that, but hold on to the cup, and we're going to take the drink together as a symbol of our unity as the body of Christ, that we, we go into this together. We're saved together by his grace. on the night in which he was betrayed, the Lord took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. In the same way, he took the cup and said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. Lord God, we receive your body and your blood. And this morning, we ask you, come, fill us. Save us, Lord. Forgive us our sins. Make us your people and your hands and feet in the world. you to come forward and you're also welcome to kneel at the at the altar for a time if you'd like
5: shine for
0: Aren't you glad we have a Savior? And aren't you glad this is what joins us together? We're very different in this room. Everyone's got a story, like George said. Everyone's got a story. Everyone in this room is different, and yet this is what unites us—Jesus. And so I want us to take, open up the the juice, and as we drink this today, let us remember that Jesus has saved us to be in community with Him and with our fellow man, one another so we join together as his people in unity and say thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus for saving us thank you for your blood which covers our sin thank you for dying on the cross for us thank you that when we could not come near you lord you came near to us and you saved us lord that you offer that gift of salvation every people all over the world lord that can come to you at any time and that when we simply say, Lord, I give my life to you, forgive me of my sins and make me a new creation, Lord, you do it. So I pray for each person today as we take this cup together, we we'll be filled with and led to be your people throughout the world. Let's take a drink.